David. Connor. Good morning. Good morning, good morning. I feel like we're just never going to do these in the morning again because it's been a while since we've done it in the morning. Yeah. We do a lot of pre-recording around here. Uh, anyways, and good morning to all you lovely listeners at home. And welcome back to yet another episode of the podcast that we consistently and humorously entitle, David. What's the smell? You thinking again? That's right. That's right. Uh, and if, if at the moment, if people who, when like the time that people will be listening to this, me and David will both be on vacation, which is pretty exciting. So Yee. all you, all you lamos at home, not being on vacation whilst me and David are out here chilling, uh, two separate places, but you know, still cool. Um, but yeah, uh, David, how you doing? I'm doing well, Connor. How you doing? I am doing okay. How's the weather up there? Oh, it's a cloudy day. Looks like it's going to rain. It's like 72 degrees outside. What about Illinois? Yeah, it's about the same. Uh, I think it's a little bit colder than 72. Um, but I mean, it looks colder than 72. I actually haven't gone out there. But yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty cloudy and not all that ideal for generalized outside activity. But that's okay, you know? We don't need to do the podcast outside. We can chill inside. Um, though I guess Reed does it outside, but you know he's weird. Well, so. that was just like he's camping. So. <laughs> he's camping. I was like, okay, podcast time. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad he valued it enough to uh, you know at least show up, which is you know cool. We should do a podcast episode outside, you know, and have like cricket noises in the background. That it'll be... add like authenticity. Yeah. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Yes, meat and potatoes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So. Uh, a topic that I always found very fascinating, uh, and one that I'm surprised we have never talked about doing until now, is the topic of movie villains. Because, you know, villains are such interesting characters, and it's such a, it, they have so much creativity that can be put into creating a good villain and creating a good antagonist for a story. And I think that's also where a lot of, of uh, many stories' creativity goes, is into making the villains more fun and interesting. And, uh, I thought there's a lot of um, material we could get talking about exactly, you know, what goes into a good villain and such. I think uh, it could be really interesting to talk about. So, um, David, uh, you ready to dive into this? I'm ready, Connor. You ready? I am pretty ready, I believe. So, kicking things off with a very broad, but I think a pretty effective question. Uh, what is one of the essential elements you think goes into a good villain? Like, what does a good villain need, you know? Or at least, what are some elements that are pretty consistently in good villains so all right so one thing i want to like kind of get out of the way first is villain versus antagonist now when you say villain versus antagonist i would say that you can't really use these interchangeably yeah it depends on the story it depends on the story you know the villain and the antagonist aren't always the same character right Mm. An antagonist typically, or the antagonist has to, for an antagonist to be an antagonist, they have to be going against the protagonist in some way, shape, or form, right? While the villain um, basically just does morally wrong things, you know, things that a typical person would deem you know, against their own morals or society standards, right? They're, like they're a bad villain. Guy. Yeah, they're the bad guy um, to society and to the hero or to whoever the story is about, right? So the villain can be a protagonist or the antagonist, right? Um, so it really just depends on 
how the story is being crafted and how it's focusing on like there could be um stories where like for example i'd say uh uh, I don't know, like Suicide Squad. You know, they're they're a bunch of villains that are the protagonist, right? I think that's a good example of characters who are villains that are actually the protagonists of the story. Um, so what makes a good villain character? I think um, they. I think uh, of course an important, uh, I guess, foundation is they have to have reason for what they're doing. You know, they can't just be. You know what I hate is when a villain does evil things for the sake of being evil. You know, that's that's just dumb. You know, they have to have some solid reason to be doing what they're doing, right? Um, I, I think that's a that's a good foundation as to what makes a a good villain. You know, a good villain like like any kind of hero, they have to have some reason to be doing what they're doing, right? Kind of, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think, like, being, I, I think nailing down a little more specifically, I think a villain needs, need, you need to believe that the villain believes what they're doing is important. Like, it's what it's easy to fall into the pitfall of a villain just being, you know, generally evil and doing bad things, but in the end, their motivation is a little too, or is a little too fluid, or like, it, it's, you know, generally greedy or generally mean. I think, and I also think that a villain, you know, can have a less motivation, you know, make it like a villain who really enjoys doing things that are bad. That's a very, that's a very enjoyable thing you can do. A lot of Disney villains kind of encapsulate that, encapsulate that where they don't really have a ton of motivation aside from they enjoy being bad. Um, but I think that that can work. But I feel when you start, to, the pitfalls kind of come when your villain doesn't seem to have any reason to enjoy being a villain or what they're doing does not align with what they've established their character to be. Uh, a prime example I feel um, is I, this is, this is going to be completely granular and dumb because I'm picking a really bad movie for this, but Norm of the North, right? Oh my. Norm of the North, if you don't know, has like kind of like this environmentalist kind of, you know, not environmentalist, uh, kind of like this corporate baddie, which we'll talk about later on in, in the podcast. But like, um, the like he is all anti you know the main character you know he's the antagonist but like there is no reason the plot or there's no reason for him to be doing this like in terms of the plot because everything he does is so anti his established goal like you know going against you know going against his main character in this norm is like literally destroying his company and everything everything would be bad for him but he's doing it because plot you know that's kind of the big thing. And when your villain kind of devolves from having, you know, an established motivation to just doing things because plot, I think that's kind of the biggest fault. Def- I'm uh, surprised you remember so much villains. about the movie. I don't, I'm surprised too. But, you know, I had to think of a really bad villain. And I thought that was the first one that came to mind because Ken Jong in that movie kind of scares me. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I think a big factor is making sure the villain, you know, in some way, you know is is their actions align with their motivations i think that's the biggest one of the biggest factors you can't have a villain out here doing things that are so anti themselves that it just becomes ridiculous you know yeah um another one that i think is pretty important for villains is uh if they add some sort of interesting conflict to the story now it seems a little obvious right but like it kind of it can happen like 
you gotta understand that like when you're when you're making a villain you don't want to just throw in a villain for the sake of having a villain and having like a, a focus for the, you know, a focus for the care, the main characters to go up against. Like you got to put some effort into making the character's application to the story actually interesting. Uh, a prime example I'm going to pick from a pick on is the good dinosaur. The good dinosaur is not super plot centric. It's very much just kind of a mood movie. Um, and near the end, they kind of introduce these pterodactyls. Now, Granted, yeah, they're villains. Like they they are actively trying to get the you know kid from our main character. Like he's trying to take him away. So they, yeah, they're bad guys. But there is no interesting conflict introduced there. Like there's no conflict of character. There's no there's barely any conflict of interest. And it's not like if the pterodactyls don't get the baby, they'll be you know in any way worse off. And it's not like uh, if if um our main character loses the baby it's not like you'll die so like there's really no interesting conflict there there's nothing no there's not a lot of weight and there's not a lot of like consequences so i think with making a villain you got to understand that like you need to create a conflict that encourages you to keep watching you know and encourages you to actively be on one side or the other you know uh you know a prime example is our example of a good one would be like captain america civil war right I'm going to touch on spoilers. So if you haven't seen Captain America Civil War, I'm going to be spoiling it a bit. But if you're looking at Zemo, where you understand Zemo's problem because, you know, the Avengers were the sole, or, or Tony Stark was solely responsible for the death of his entire family. So you understand that. And you also understand how he feels, like the way he's, this plan that he has, tearing apart the Avengers, how that would gratify him, you know? So you understand him as a character and you understand his conflict. So once you see the team starting to fall apart because of his actions, you start to kind of, you can, you can identify that conflict a lot more and it, there's stakes on each side. You know, if, you know, if Iron Man, you know, falls and the team falls apart, Baron Zemo has now done what he wanted to do and his family's avenged, you know, that's, there's the weight there. If Zemo loses, he's essentially been defeated and the team goes on, you know? And, you know, the conflicts of the story, you know, but that's, we're not going to analyze Civil War. Point is, like, you want to have a conflict that genuinely feels like you can care, you know? Yeah. Am, am that making any sense? Uh, what's another one on your, uh, on your mind? Um, a, a villain that is on my mind that I was thinking about while you were talking is um, Aaron Yeager from Attack on Titan. Oh yes, let's let's uh, draw in some influences from others, other other uh, mediums and just movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Aaron Yeager is a really good example of um, a villain character. Now I'm gonna now I'm gonna touch on spoilers here. Yeah, uh, of course. Um, so in the beginning of the story of beginning of Attack on Titan, um, Aaron has been the protagonist you know aaron's the main character you follow along right um and he seems like he is a hero he seems like he's doing good things trying to save um his, his town trying to save his people um from these t- t- titans who are attacking the town right makes sense right he wants to eradicate all the titans um but as the story goes on as we reach um the final chapters season four of attack on titan um, we later realize that um, the some of the actions, some of the measures that he's taking aren't morally right or something that 
you would deem as being a hero, right? He is going out of his way to eradicate humanity for the sake of his own island, you know, which is, it seems very conflicting being the viewer because this entire time you've been following Aaron, uh, who is, who has been a hero in your eyes. um, And now taking this turn, it's very surprising, but it's still within the limits of his character that makes sense. Um, So I, I think he's a great example of a villain character who has justification for what he's doing um and in some eyes in the eyes of the people he is seen as a hero you know he is helping his island you know thrive and stay alive um from the rest of the world basically but aaron is more than willing to kill everyone else for the sake of his friends and his family and people like that right so i think that aaron is definitely a good example of a villain character um who is just very ambiguous depending on how you look at him. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I think another great touch of villain characters that you kind of touched on there is the idea that you could see the villain being a hero of their own story. I think that's a huge part of it because when a villain is just so obviously a villain that, like, there's no way they see themselves as good. Like, obviously, they're the bad guys. It Obviously, it can be fun, but I feel like it kind of takes away from the overall relatability of the character. But with your example, and another one I'm going to bring up in a minute, there's basically the the line between hero and villain is a little blurred. So you have the ma- this character who's a villain in the main character's eyes or a villain in the eyes of the viewer. When, when they see themselves as a hero, like what they're doing, they believe is right. An example I'm going to bring up is from a video game, and it's going to be a spoiler, sorry, uh, but Dutch Vanderlyn from Red, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2. Essentially, a character that genuinely believes what he's doing is right and like what he's doing is going to benefit people like in the end he has good intentions but it's just this idea that like they what they're doing is morally wrong in the eyes of other people you know so like by the time that he's gotten to the point that he's you know about to achieve his goal where like he's trying to get this he's trying to you know get his gang to live a good life they, they've you know blurred so many lines of good taste that everyone is questioning his authority you know and he's starting to kind of lose it too so kind of a big part of what makes a villain work is this idea that like you can see the villain being right, you know? You don't want to have them just be one-sided and be like, oh yeah, they're mean and what they're doing is obviously bad and they have no humanity. Like having humanity or character is a great way to make the villain not only interesting, but also kind of sympathetic. Like you could kind of, in an alternate universe, you could see him being a main character because in the end, his story is not fueled by any sort of like, obviously wrong mentality he's just trying to support the the people in his gang like he wants his the people he cares about to live a good life he wants to support them he wants to you know help them out but he also doesn't really understand it doesn't really truly connect with the idea of you know morality or like you know generally general respect for life so like i think that's such a huge part of what can make villains work. And I think there's plenty of examples in all kinds of mediums of characters that kind of have that mentality. And it can be really, really interesting. Um, yeah. Can I have a question for you? Go for it. So who are some of your favorite villains? Yes, um, there are plenty of great villains. Um, and I kind of, one that I really, really love and one that kind of iterates a point that I also want to make. I know I'm bouncing around points a lot, but there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk real briefly about a, char- a villain character that 
iterates the idea of build-up. And I think what can make a villain truly great is the build-up of this character. And I got to talk real quick about Darth Vader. It's obvious, I know, I had to. But I really like Darth Vader a lot. And I think what makes him so great is the idea of build-up. Like, Darth Vader is a character that you don't actively see be very very scary as a character. It's not like he's doing a ton of truly evil things or things that really make him worth fearing. Throughout a lot of the time, you kind of just, you know, see his impacts and you see him, you know? But what makes Darth Vader so memorable and so interesting, despite, you know, the story points that make him interesting, is the idea of build-up. How much these movies build that he is the scariest character, you know? The movies kind of revolve around him and, you know, the Empire, their impacts on you know, the galaxy around them. And I, I could even rope in the Emperor too, where you don't even see the Emperor until the last movie, but you know of his effects because he's the guy who created Darth Vader. So like these movies kind of build up this mysterious evil character that you don't really get a lot of info about. You see a lot of, you like, you fear him because he's a villain, but you also fear him because of the reputation he's built up. And that's another great way villains can work is like you build them up and you make them sound tense and scary and have these huge implications. Another example would be like Sauron and Voldemort from Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter, where they didn't show up in their first movie. They showed up later on down the road, but they've been built up so much because they're like the true epitome of everything bad, you know, and all the heroes, the hero's journey is entirely centric on this guy just being able to stop them, you know? <clears throat> uh, so like having that kind of, um, having that kind of build up to a character is super interesting. I think Darth Vader is one of the best examples of that because of how well they build up his scariness, you know? And I think that's why it makes he's so memorable. Like everyone knows Darth Vader is a true good villain because he's built up really well. And then the story beats that, you know, make him interesting that I won't spoil, I guess, but you know what I mean? Every, really interesting. Everyone knows Darth Vader, man. Everyone knows Darth Vader. I know, I know, Every- but... I, I want to. So long, my God. I want to be nice. I know so people long, who don't. Yo. I know people who haven't seen Star Wars. So I mean, uh, not that they, not that they plan to. Like they're not like they're you know still holding out. Most people who haven't seen it aren't going to watch it. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, so what's another villain that works really well for you? Oh man, I was I was gonna say Darth Vader, but then you stole him <laughs> from me. I know. I got so funny. find someone else. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Mm, I got one. A really good villain that I really like is um, Thanos. From... Naturally, another another really built up villain. He, yes, yes, he is definitely um, a modern example of a built up villain. You know, he's been he's been hyped up since uh, I think even like Avengers one. You know, mm-hmm. uh, all the way back in like 2012. I think that's when it came out. Yeah, he's been hyped up for for nearly a decade you know which is which is actually insane um and i i think the payoff was really good you know i think thanos is a really um complex and interesting uh villain to the um i guess the mcu um he definitely had a lot of build-up um just uh, with the infinity stones and uh how that's kind of connected different elements and plot points within uh, different Marvel movies, um, just the the impact of what he did during. If you haven't seen, uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spoil uh, Endgame or Infinity War, but the the impact of what he did during those films are still impacting things uh, beyond um, those two movies, which is which is really cool. 
uh, just see the impact of his character uh, within the MCU and how big and grand it was. Um, I, I think I think he's a great villain. I think I, I I wish they expanded on his character a bit more. Um, but with what they did, I thought it was really good and really effective. Um, I thought that what he was doing, of course, it wasn't good, but I thought that he had good justification as to what he was doing in his eyes and a lot of, and some other people's eyes, they thought what he was doing was a good thing. You know, he was, um, you know, of course, trying or attempting to uh, cut down on the, I guess, overpopulation of the universe, right? Um, and what he thought was a good thing. You know, he thought that if I do this, I am, I am a hero. I am saving humanity, right? By doing this, he felt like it was his duty to do this. Just like the Avengers to stop him, he thought that this is what I need to do to help save humanity, right? Um, so what he was doing was justified and had good reason, uh, which makes him a good villain. You know, I think what makes a good villain is um, having that kind of uh, ambiguous blurred line between hero and villain, right? Where like in, an, in someone else's eyes, you can definitely see them as being a hero. Like you can definitely see like, hey, what you're doing seems right, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I really like Thanos a lot too. I think they did a great job building him up. And like you mentioned, they did a great job of making him feel like he thought he was right. And like his, his men, his thought process was definitely in the right direction. It's just his actions were a little extreme, a little extreme, but like, uh, yeah, I agree. They did a great job with him. And that kind of leads on to a point that I want to bring up about what makes a good villain. It's going to be kind of weird, but hear me out. So something that I feel a lot of movies overlook in terms of making a great villain and it can be a really big problem with a movie is making the villain's goal the same as the lead's goal. Now, what do you mean by, what do I mean by that? So like, what do you, what do you, what do you mean? Yeah. Let's, let's take a look at Luca that just recently came out. I'm not going to spoil anything about the plot, but I want to briefly talk about what the villain of that movie is, which is this, I forget the guy's name. It's kind of this general bully character. Um, his goal is the exact same goal as the lead's goal. They both want to win this race. And that does not make an interesting character because it stops being a villain and just becomes a competitor. And I feel that's a huge flaw you can do with your movie because, like, a competitor isn't an interesting conflict, you know? Wanting the same thing is not necessarily an interesting conflict. You have to do something with it, you know? Uh, Basically, there's a lot of movies that kind of do that where they kind of make the villain character just the main character, but mean. And, like, that's such a huge missed opportunity. Like, when you, you what you can do with a villain is essentially create a character that is in and of themselves their own character, right? They're complex, and they have a lot of things going on within themselves that are separate from the lead. They can be connected to the lead and stuff, and that's fine. And having the same goal as the lead is not necessarily always wrong. What I'm saying is you don't want to make the character just essentially the same character as the lead but mean and as a result it can kind of make the movie have a really forgettable villain and as of recent they've been kind of doing that with a lot of disney movies the kind of the idea of twist villains where they make them kind of generally nice but then they twist to be completely mean character without really any depth to them and their goal is very one-sided in that kind of regard 
I don't know, in the end, I just kind of feel like that's a huge missed opportunity. And a lot of movies do that. Um, it would basically be the equivalent of like in with Thanos, his goal was to, you know, defend the universe. He wanted to become an Avenger and his goal, like if he you know, becoming an Avenger would be killing all the Avengers. So he could be an Avenger. Like that just, that does not sound interesting. Like that's the goal of Spider-Man, you know, like that's the goal of any hero is to be, you know, the hero. So like, you kind of lose that interestingness because, you know, in the end they have the exact same goal as a lead. So it's kind of, you got to keep that in mind when you're making a villain is like, how much is my villain being distinct and how much is he just becoming, you know, or he or she becoming the lead character, but bad, you know? For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, there's actually a villain that just came to my mind that I kind of want to talk about. Go for it. So one of my favorite villains of all time, I don't even know how I forgot about him. But um, Merwin from Hunter Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like this character. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's a plot point that I want to expand on. I want to ask you once I finish explaining it. But um, Merwin and Hunter Hunter, he, he, he's a character that comes later on in the Hunter Hunter story. He's uh, part of the Chimera and Dark, uh, which is the longest arc in the series. Um, also my personal favorite arc of the series. So anyways, Marilyn is the ant, a chimera ant king, right? And he was basically born with this immense amount of power, like one of the most powerful Nen users in Hunter Hunter, right? And he could basically kill anyone with this immense amount of power and aura that he had, right? And so his plans were to basically rid the world of humans, right? Like that was his goal um, because he believed that his species, the chimera ants, were the superior species, right? Naturally. Um, it was just, you know, like natural growth of a species, you know, like felt dominant, felt like they could overturn humans um, and be superior, right? Um, but as the as the arc goes on, he soon begins to learn that he begins to learn humanity and empathy and compassion for other beings, right? He learns to empathize and basically gain some sense of humanity and become less of a monster, right? While in contrast, at this point, our main character, our main protagonist, gone. He, you know, up until this point has been a hero um, fighting for humanity, had a good sense of justice, right? Has now fallen into despair and darkness. And he now becomes kind of a monster in the eyes of the audience, while Meruem kind of becomes a hero and gains a sense of humanity. So, Connor, the question I want to ask you is, what do you think about villains becoming heroes, are becoming heroes, I guess, in their own right, that, like, okay, so, like, all right, let me, let me phrase that. Villains becoming heroes. So, them basically changing who they are um, as characters and vice versa. So kind of like redemption kind of thing. Yeah, kind of, kind of redemption yeah, okay. kind of, you know. 
Yeah, I think that definitely there's there's time and a place for that. I think you got to be careful with it because a common thing with redemption is it can kind of you don't want it to come off like they're wussing out. Like take reality, you know, it comes to reality. People who are awful people aren't usually going to change because changing is hard, changing is difficult and people don't like to change. So in the end, a lot of people who are consistently mean, bad people are usually always mean, bad people. So with redemption, you kind of have to be careful because if you can, if you can truly justify it and make the, the reasoning for their redemption seem very grounded and interesting, then by all means do it, but be careful with it. Cause I don't want you, I don't want to get to the situation where it's where it seems like the character suddenly changes to being a good guy because the writers went, okay, we can't have people, you know, we can't have people be truly against this character, you know, or like, oh man, I don't want to, I don't want to get too mean with our character. Let's, let's have him change sides. You know, I, I think there's a level of carefulness that you need to be when writing it, but I think redemption arcs can be really interesting and redemption characters can be very interesting because it shows a weakness in a character that wasn't supposed to have weakness, you know, like villain characters, they're a lot of them have a confidence to them, right? Where like, they believe that they are 100% right and everyone else is against them. So they need to, you know, stand out for themselves. But redemption kind of shows the weakness in those villain characters and can kind of expose the fact that maybe the person you thought was the villain has more of a human side to them, which, you know, is a really interesting thing. Like, like we said, villains with human sides are really interesting. So I think, I think a cu- uh, there's definitely a huge part of that in the redemption arc where like you're exposing that a villain who you thought was not very interesting and didn't have depth turned out to have a human side. And I think that's a, that can be really, really interesting. Um, it, it is very yeah. common for, um, for like a movie where, you know, the a villain will like change the mind or a, a hero changes the mind of a villain like for example uh the lego movie mm-hmm. um when you know the main character changes the mind of the villain and then they join sides you know like what like like that's that's like what do you, like, what do you think about that you know like it's not really a redemption right? they kind of just change their mind you know kind of like dropped everything it's, like, oh, i think it's the kind of i think it's kind of a similar idea um that one's a little tougher because that's more of a kids movie trope uh, the idea of a villain just changing sides. Um, that being said, I think there's a time and a place for it. I really do. Like people, they're like, like I said, in reality, it's not as easy for people to change, but sometimes they do. And being open to changing your mental state and your mentality is always an important thing, especially nowadays with so much, you know, uh, so much like, you know, problems that are caused because of traditions and stuff that, you know, people are so, cl- or people cling to. I think that's a, like a huge part of it is being able to accept that things are flawed and can be changed. And I think uh, that definitely can come into play with some villain characters, despite the fact they can kind of come off as unrealistic sometimes. I, I think it's just kind of risky. You got to be careful with it. Uh, basically, if you're, if, if you're telling a story and it kind of makes sense that this villain character would be able to see the error of their ways, or at least change mental perspectives, obviously go for it. There's, there's definitely a time and a place for it, but I mean, there's only so much believability I could give that, you know, before I start to think, okay, are they just changing because the plot didn't want them to be a villain anymore? You know, kind of to be careful. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of a villain kind of changing sides while you're changing mentalities. Um, But the problem is it's not as much because you you don't want to lose that believability. 
Um, I'm, it's funny because I'm trying to, I, there's like lines of dialogue, you know, that kind of resonate with this kind of thing, you know, like, I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess I could point to, because again, it's a kid's movie. Uh, I could point to Elsa as an example, actually, where Elsa kind of spends the movie as kind of the main villain or at least the main antagonist for like the first half of the movie. And she has that genuine you know, realization that like, you know, she doesn't necessarily need to deal with things alone and she can, you know, trust other people, deal with their problems with her. So I guess that kind of worked. I, I had no problems with that in Frozen. It didn't feel like Elsa changed characters suddenly. Um, I don't know. It's, it's definitely an interesting question. It's just, I don't have a lot of material to back it up. So I think it really just depends on the movie. It really does. Sure. Do you have any, did you have any uh, thoughts you wanted to add to that? Um, not some, no. Gotcha. Uh, so I will then, uh, I, I sall bring up a villain that I like uh, real quick and sure. let you gather your thoughts. So I think a really great villain that we need to address is another great one in terms of the villain that does not have a ton of motivation, but is still great, is Hans Linda from Inglorious Bastards. Because you've got a character who honestly steals this movie in terms of the quality of his performance and the quality of the writing. Uh, but he's not a likable character. Like, he's not a good character. He's genuinely a terrible human being who enjoys killing people. He is a terrible human being. But it really is the charisma of the performance that wins this character for me. Uh, a, a, a great performance that genuinely tra- makes the actor transform into this evil character can almost make the character more likable. Or not, and that's actually not necessarily more likable, can make them more intriguing and interesting. Because you essentially, you have this person who's essentially transformed themselves into this horrible, awful character, and you just see how gratified they are with doing terrible things. And it's really, like, it's just really gripping, you know? It's kind of like what I was talking about with American Psycho last week. This idea that, like, someone can be so bad, but the performance sells it so much that you kind of can't look away. And you're like, wow, this person is just so happy being horrible, you know? And they do a great job with that in Inglorious Bastards, where every single scene he's in, he's not in a lot of them are so well done because they properly build up his intensity, his devotion to the cause and his brutality. While at the same time, he still has this kind of sickly air of humanity to him, this kind of like bitter sarcasm to the way he acts. And it's so interesting. And another, another example of what of uh, Tarantino doing this well is, well, actually a lot of his characters, but a lot of the characters in Reservoir Dogs are, example, are a good example of that too where a lot they have this kind of like lack of remorse and lack of humanity to them, but it grips you because what they have, like that bit of humanity they have is so twisted and, you know, weird. You can't look away, you know? And that's another great factor that goes into villains is that charisma and that energy that the actor gives that sells the character, you know? And they do, and like I said, Hans Linda and of course, Christoph Waltz who plays him does a phenomenal job selling this character. I mean, he won an Oscar for it, so clearly he did a good job. But like he really, really stood out and it he excellent, excellent performance and excellent, excellent character. But yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Dave I, fell asleep I from that. He's <laughs> like he's like power nap, okay, we're gonna do this. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no a, that's no, a boss baby moment, bro. Where's where you're coming from? Um 
Time. Me. I have a question for you. Oof, okay. So, um, when it comes to... The, okay, we, t- we touched upon this in the beginning. I, like, I did. A little bit in the beginning. Um, about uh, villains who are the protagonists of the story. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? That's, because typically, that they're, they're not. Yeah, actually, it, I, I could point to American Psycho again. Yeah, you can have a villain of the lead character because there are different kinds of movies out there. Every movie has a different kind of theme and different kind of plot. And having a villain as your lead works because in the end, what you need to identify the character is a bit of humanity. And regardless of the quality of that humanity, it can still be interesting to watch because the character's bit of humanity is so perverted and mangled, you know? Uh, taking American Psycho as an example, uh, he's the main character of that movie, but he is despicably unlikable. He genuinely just hates people and he hates and he hates the idea of having anyone else be better than him. He is legitimately an unlikable character, but he's the main character. He's, he is the central character. He's the protagonist of the story. And the, the antagonist of the story is a detective played by Willem Dafoe. He legitimately wants to catch this guy who may or may not be murdering people. Like, it, the, the antagonist is literally the good guy and the protagonist is literally the bad guy. And it works because in the end, all you need to identify with the lead character is this little bit of humanity. And it's really bizarrely interesting seeing a character whose morals are so bizarrely or not bizarrely, but so intensely egocentric and so in, intensely cruel that like, you know, you're sitting there like, man, it's it's so real, but so messed up, you know? It's it's very difficult movie to talk about, but um, it's, it's really interesting. I think villain characters can totally play the lead role because in the end, all you need to make an interesting character is relatability. Yeah. And if a villain has a bit of relatability in this, like, like Thanos does and like, you know, uh, sort of characters we talked about, then you kind of, it, it works. It can work. And yes. I think that's a big part of what can make, you know, and, and another example is Joker too. Like the most recent <laughs> Joker movie, like 2019. Like he's not a likable character in that movie. Like sure, he's, you could see sympathetic because he's, you know, he's had a sympathetic life, but he's also not a great human being. They kind of establish he's not really a nice guy. So, like, I do kind of like that aspect of the movie is kind of this idea that he is not likable. And in the end, he's, you know, perverted and destroyed by this world. But, like, at the same time, he's still not a great person. So, again, another villain being the lead thing. But that bit of relatability, that bit of sympathy you got for him is what drives the movie. So, yeah, that's a, I think villain characters can definitely be main characters. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I think you named some good examples. Joker. Uh, I totally forgot about that movie, but yeah, I think that's a great example of a character who, um, you know, it, he is the villain. Like he is a villain character. Like he doesn't do, um, it's like morally right things, right? Um, and that makes sense. It makes sense with his character. I thought it was a good, um, kind of backstory would you say like joker is like a backstory movie for joker i mean i guess since we're getting a joker too i mean i guess it is are we yeah why Todd Todd phillips is coming back to do it too oh my god yeah i i call that joker making a billion dollars so obviously they're gonna make a sequel like that's what i call that what's the point what are they gonna add on (laughs) i have no clue but we're not here to talk about that that's (laughs) 
so bogus. I agree, it is very dumb. But you There's know, we're also money. we're also getting a Funko Pop movie, dude. There is no rationale behind movies nowadays. Wait, is it like an animated Funko Pop? Uh, probably. You who knows? <laughs> you never really know. Imagine it, if it was live action. Oh, uh, like a CGI live action hybrid, like the Smurfs, but with pops. Jesus oh my Christ. god! Or did you like that bobblehead movie that came out last year? You heard about that? Yeah. The Netflix original. It's directed by the guy who directed Beauty and the Beast. Uh, like, it, that hurts. I'm like Jesus. Uh, <laughs> well, how the mighty have fallen. Oh my guess god! He, he washed up after Atlantis, and he was like, "Well, I guess I'm doing a bobbleheads movie starring Cher." Uh, that's terrible. I don't like that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, um, yeah, villains. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, villains. Um, I think that it was it was a good backstory into his character and who. Um, Joker is as a person, um, right? Like just just because you're a villain does not necessarily mean that you are a bad person, right? Yeah, you're just you're just generally well. I I don't know how to see how much I believe that actually. Now I think about it, because I mean, villain means villain, you know, like that's, yeah, that's, antagonists. Yeah. Well, actually, no. You know what? I do kind of agree with that because in the end, all you need to be a villain is to have bad means. You know, like what you're your goal or your goal might be good but your the way you do it is bad yeah so yeah i think like i don't think inherently a villain is a bad person i think the means make them a bad person actions speak louder than words and all that yeah exactly exactly um like i was saying i think joker's a really good example of that well yeah for sure um i i don't know i i have complicated feelings on joker i should really watch it again um, but we'll see. Regardless, like I think that I, with, with uh, Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> well, no, I, I give I give Joker three and a half stars. I still think it's a good movie, but <laughs> I, I'm not giving it one star or whatever. Reed gave <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. Um, man, sorry, I just, I just remembered he doesn't like South Park. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Anyways, oh my god, sorry that one that one broke my heart. I was like, all right, he doesn't like South Park. South Park has a great villain. It's the devil, and also Canada. And also, uh, Stan's mom or Kyle's mom. Does it not take place in Canada? No, it takes place in the United States. Uh, essentially, okay, we're gonna go on a quick tangent. Essentially, Canada makes a movie of that super gross and profane, and all the kids of South Park adore it. And the parents see all see the kids swearing and stuff and saying all these bad things they learned from the movie, and then go, "Okay, this is bad. How how this, how do we let this happen?" And instead of blaming their bad parenting, they blame Canada. Oh. And which is you know people who made the movie, so they wage war on Canada because Canada made a movie that's corrupting the youth. Oh, so yeah, it does take place in the United States. Oh, um, but the villain is you know Canada, and also Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein is also a villain. There's a lot of stuff going on in that movie. What does he have to do with any of that? You, you got to watch the show. Like Saddam Hussein's in the show, and he dies in the show and goes to hell, and. In the movie, they become like the devil and Saddam Hussein become like lovers, <laughs> and, like, oh. and uh, essentially there's this prophecy kind of thing that uh, the devil will come back to Earth once Canada wages war with America, and so when the devil comes back, Saddam Hussein's gonna come back. It's such a, it is such a movie. <laughs> it's yeah. so I good. Like it. It's so funny. It's a great movie. But we're getting a little off topic. Uh, yeah. Villains are really good. Um, I'll talk about a villain real quick. <laughs> sure. Uh, a great one that I think is a is an example of something that I 
on, on the surface kind of contradicts what I said before about the goal being different than Leeds, but you kind of have to hear me out here. Um, I want to talk about Killmonger from Black Panther because what, Kill, what makes Killmonger so great in my eyes is he is basically the same character as uh, Black Panther himself, but you know they had two different upbringings, right? Both of them were royalty that you know deserved to get the throne of Wakanda. But one was, you know, exiled after, you know, his father decided to, you know, betray. And, well, actually, well, I'm not 100% sure about exactly how that happened off the top of my head, unfortunately. But you know what I mean. And uh, the other was, you know, was raised in Wakanda and became king, you know, the way kings become. So on the, you can totally see, uh, you know, Killmonger's perspective because he was essentially torn away from the throne he did, thought he deserved. Because, you know, he did. He would have become king if he had not been cast out. So you can totally see his perspective. And you also see, you also relate with his memes because he's essentially waging war against the world that betrayed him. You know, his whole plot, I'm going to spoil it a little bit, is the idea that like he wants to give, he wants to arm the people who are the other people who've been oppressed by their societies. Whoa, which whoa, you're like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Spoilers, man. I said spoilers. I said spoilers. Okay, okay, okay. He's arming the people who have been oppressed. So like, Killmonger's me, uh, Killmonger's goal definitely comes from a point of relatability, but it's when it gets corrupted by his means that truly make him a villain, and that's where his biggest difference is from, to, um, from T'Challa. This idea that like T'Challa was essentially raised indoctrinated into the Wakanda mentality, and that everything they did was always right. You know, like sure. in the end, T'Challa believed that Wakanda was essentially perfect, and that kind of hit that re- uh, hit of reality that Killmonger hits him with reveals to him of the flaws in Wakanda. So in the end, they both kind of stem from the same place, Killmonger and Black Panther. It's just that they were raised two separate ways. And in the end, Killmonger's not necessarily wrong because like uh, T'Challa even admits that what his father did to Killmonger was wrong. But it's the means that kind of made him bad and the way they were raised or both of them were raised kind of made them approach the situation differently. So that's really interesting to me. I think um, obviously their goals were different, which is kind of what I was talking about before with the goals being the same, um, it being a bad thing. But with these two, they are essentially very similar characters that are changed because of the way they were raised and seeing that contrast and seeing how they, you know, not seeing that conflict is what makes that story super interesting. Yeah. And, you know, really, really, really good movie. Um, but yeah, that's another great villain. Um, I think, I mean, it's been hyped up and praised many times. I'm not, I'm not new for saying how good Killmonger is, but yeah, good stuff. For sure. For sure. Uh, what's your next one, dude? Um, there's one more villain I want to talk about. Okay. Um, it's One Piece villain. I think they're my favorite One Piece villain of all time. Just how they were introduced and how the character was just developed. I think he is one of the greatest villains, actually, of any anime I've ever watched. Um, and it's Doflamingo from One Piece. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you guys have watched the earlier episodes where I talk about One Piece and my suggestions, I have definitely talked about Doflamingo before, but this time I want to like talk about him in a bit of depth. So for someone to truly appreciate Doflamingo, <clears throat> you have to 
know his backstory and his upbringing. So, and, and a little bit of context for the One Piece world. So, in One Piece, there are these things called, are these people called Celestial Dragons, right? These are the nobles. These are the higher-ups of the One Piece world, right? They have say over everything, right? It's like if you disrespect a celestial dragon you will die like you will die on the spot like without a doubt right and what makes Doflamingo so interesting is he is a fallen noble now what I mean by that is his parents were nobles right Mm -hmm. but they decided to leave that noble life behind to have a more normal life among the people right and Doflamingo didn't like that, right? So he up and killed his parents nice. for doing what they did. And he tried to rejoin the noble society, but they wouldn't let him because, you know, he quit. His parents quit that kind of lifestyle. So he still has that kind of noble mentality that he is superior and better than everybody else. Uh, even though, you know, he lives in a more normal lifestyle, right? And it's just been imprinted on him that he is better than everyone else. So he basically takes over Dressrosa, this island, and becomes this cruel leader over it, corrupting it, trapping these people on this island. Um, And that's just what makes him such a cool and interesting character is because you know, he is related to these other antagonists or villains of the One Piece world, but just slightly altered, um, which adds a cool twist to his character because he's not quite one of them, but at the same time, he has the mentality of one of them. Um, So to see him fight against Luffy... Uh, one-on-one it's really cool and interesting just to see like conflicting viewpoints um on how piracy is kind of uh, handled um that's kind of cool and uh i don't i don't want to spoil what happens to his character after the dressrosa arc but i definitely say it's kind of cool and um he's for sure going to be in this story later on i can definitely foresee that happening um, so I really like Doflamingo as a character and how he kind of contradicts and uh, differs against Luffy as a main character. Yo, that's true. Um, I want to talk about a topic real quick that I, I didn't allude to, but I want to. I feel like I would be remiss if we did not discuss it. And that's the twist villain, bro. Twist. The twist. The twist villain is a very common tactic in film and movies and video games or in TVs and video games. I mean. So, like, essentially, the basis of it is that you thought they weren't a villain, and it turns out they are. Or you thought there wasn't a villain, and it turns out there is, you know? Ooh. Um, but I got to say, there's a way to do it well, and there's a way to do it poorly. Uh, you know, Disney's, been, again, been very responsible, as I alluded to before, this idea that they have been a little too quick to throw in a twist villain. They like the uh, twist villains. Yeah, right. We're like, oh, my gosh, you never thought it would be this character. But the thing is, a lot of those times it can get kind of like can get kind of obvious because the character that they make the twist villain has no purpose in the story aside from being a twist villain, right? And that's like, kind uh, of Nomeo what... and Juliet, right? Like, 
if there is no like if there's no reason for this character to be in the story, they're probably the twist villain. But the best option, the best characters that I think truly embody the twist villain, and I won't spoil the twists because I know one of them, these things David hasn't seen, but or hasn't done. But I want to talk about Monsters Inc. and I want to talk about the Spider-Man PS4 game. Because these two managed to own the twist villain very, very, very well. Because in both these cases, there were already villains in the story. But the uh, Monsters Incorporated and then the Spider-Man PS4 game. Both of these games, or these the game and movie, have had t- villains in them already. By the time that you get to the twist, you didn't see it coming because you had no reason to believe it would be coming. So when you see this twist coming, despite the fact that in some cases it, it could be kind of obvious, in the end, you don't see it coming because you have no reason to believe there's a twist villain. And that's the biggest strength of a twist villain, is it can essentially take a story you thought you knew and slap you across the face and go, no, this is what's going on. And you never saw it coming because you had no reason to believe it's coming. But with a lot of twist villains, it's a little obvious something's coming because there is a villain. This is the one that gets me is Big Hero 6 and assorted projects like that where there is a villain. Like you see a masked figure that is the villain. So unless they're just going to introduce a random character that you've never seen before, the masked character is going to be someone you know. So you have to think to yourself, okay, what character serves no role in the story? That one. So, like, it can be really obvious. And even fake-out characters are kind of obvious after a while because they're not going to make the character that is most obviously going to be the villain the one that's the villain. It's going to be, like, the second or third most obvious. Uh, another <laughs> bad example, I feel, is Hubi Halloween. Where oh I, won't spoil the, I won't spoil the twist, but yet again, another villain character that had absolutely no role in the plot except to just sit there and be a character. So, like... Obviously, someone had to be the villain, and if you're going to pick a character that you know is a little less hard to, or a little little less easy to pick out, that would be one of them. Essentially, you got to understand when you're writing a, when you're writing a plot, don't throw in a character just to be the villain that they reveal in the twist. You know, you got to be careful with your twists, but I think you can do a great job with it uh, because twists are like the ultimate proof that you do not know what's going to happen. And if you truly are owning the audience and truly getting them captivated, a twist villain can, or twist character even, can really throw the the viewer for a loop and really get you into the experience, you know? So, and I think, you know, things like the Spider-Man PS4 game and uh, Monsters Incorporated do a great, great job with that. And um, another example, again, is is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I won't spoil that uh, twist, but that's another one where you don't have any reason to believe that this character is in any way, you know, a twist because there are already villains. You don't need to throw in another twist character. And the character that ends up, you know, the twist characters have roles in the story. So, like, basically what I'm saying is just be careful when you're writing, you know? Don't fall into pitfalls. That's basically Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Um, I won't go too rambly, but, yeah. So, David, allow me to ask you, Overall, I mean, we had this discussion, we discussed all these twists and stuff and all these characters uh, that are great villains. Let me ask you one final question. Why are villains important? What do you think? Why do you think we need villains in stories? Um, I, I just think that villains... Or, and, and uh, antagonists. Yeah, I think villains slash antagonists, uh, if, you, if you want to include that, 
they add conflict to the story. That conflict to the hero slash protagonist of said story, give them an obstacle to overcome, give them some kind of challenge to grow them, to, to grow as a person. You know, even villains can grow as people and change and develop as the story goes on. You know, it, it's, it's all about growth. You know, villains add growth. Heroes add growth. It's all about character development and pushing the story along. You know, I think that's very important um, when it comes to having a villain character in the story. You know, it, it progresses the story along, uh, adds depth. Um, and I, I just think that it's, it's a necessary part, um, not always, but a lot of the times to a story, you know, adds, yeah, I think it just adds everything I just said there uh, to a story. I think it's an essential building block. Um, I think that it, it's something that's always uh, been included in stories. I think that it's always going to be a part of stories. Um, just having that villain character to stand in the way of the hero. Um, so they have something to overcome, some kind of challenge, win or obstacle. Uh, to overcome that is another person, uh, creature, object, whatever. Um, to object, overcome. that's a very scary brick. It may be the villain of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to overcome. So, so I, I guess I guess that kind of does kind of apply to like Thor the Dark World where the villain is so non-existent that like, yeah, I guess the Aether will be the villain <laughs> in terms of objects, I guess. But yeah, I agree. I, I don't think every story needs it either. But I think in the end, a villain is a great way to establish differences between the character. It can even highlight the the hero's uh the hero's, you know, good qualities even more. Like villains are the ultimate contrast, you know? Like as soon as you uh, as soon as you think you know the main character, the villain can expose different parts of the main character that are either good or bad. So in the end, I think what truly you know why we truly need villains is it can help develop the story more it can help the the viewer understand what the filmmakers are trying to do more and our filmmakers and game designers and all that good stuff and tv show writers essentially helping you recognize that the character that you think you know regardless if it's the hero or the villain are different and the villains can be great examples of exposing those different faults and such and it can be really interesting um i think in the end, it's not necessary, but at the same time, I think it can really add to a story. Uh, not needlessly, like, don't randomly add a villain, you don't need one, like, you know, Luca. But, like, at the same time, like, you don't necessarily uh, have to worry that, you know, what your your, your character's villains, you know... Actually, I have no clue where I was going with that. In the end, in the <laughs> end, villain characters are really great, and I think can be the pinnacle of creativity in some cases. Like, sometimes you're not selling the main character, you know? Who's the most memorable character in Star Wars? Darth Vader, duh. Who's the most memorable character in Infinity War? Thanos, duh. And, like, you know why? Who's the most memorable character in The Shining? Jack Torrance, duh. He's the villain in the movie, technically. But he's the main character. Yeah, right. He absolutely owns the movie. Granted, he's also the main character, but he's also the main villain, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Good stuff. Um, I do enjoy myself a good villain. Um... But yeah, David, how are you feeling? Good, good. How are you feeling? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, Want to dive into some suggestions for our lovely listeners at home? 
Yeah, we're cramming this one right in between two episodes. So, like, it's where we're, these suggestions are like going to be pure, fresh off the printer kind of thing. Like, yeah, we we this is like midweek. We'll have to see how this goes. Uh, David, how many did you end up coming up with? Uh, two. Hey, look at you. At least you got more than one. Yeah. I ended up getting three. Surprisingly, I'm surprised. But go ahead. All right. So I have a show and a movie. Woo. So the movie is a movie that I've mentioned before. Uh, way, way uh, being in the podcast when we first started. Uh, being one of my favorite movies. Um, and this is Sorry to Bother You. So I recently... Uh, classic Boots Riley film. Yeah. So I recently um, rechecked out this movie. Um, and it's really good. Um, still really weird. Um, but really good. Um, it's about this guy named Cassius Green um, who is looking for a job to be a telemarketer or I guess a job in general to become a telemarketer. And um, he ends up getting promoted to becoming a power caller um, and some weird stuff goes on. Uh, I'm not going to explain what happens, but... Yeah, trust me. Don't, you cannot go into this movie assuming you know it's going to happen. Yeah, you really you're, don't. you're not. You're not. Trust me, you are not. If if you haven't gotten spoiled, you're not gonna know what the like the end of the movie is gonna be like. It, it's 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 whack. I'll tell you that. It's whack. Um, I definitely say that this movie is uh, very anti-capitalist. Um, yeah, buying things suck. Yeah, yeah. I definitely say it's uh, anti-capitalist of a movie. Um, but I think what makes movies so great is the fact that. Everything in this movie was kind of a dystopian present in a way. You know, it was almost like the things that are happening in this movie, not everything, but I think some of the things that are happening in this movie could actually happen in real life or something, some kind of variant of it. Um, it's funny you say that. And I, all I'm thinking of, I, I won't spoil it, but the image that I'm thinking of, I'm like, oh, yeah, that could be real. <laughs> well i mean not that but like the most distinct image of the movie oh god no um like, well I, I guess this is our future now <laughs> no i mean like some of the things that um yeah you, you know what i mean um yeah I, I think it's a really good movie uh highly recommend checking it out it's on hulu it'll uh, be on hulu till the end of time i guess it's been on there for years yeah check it out it's really good all right, and my second suggestion is um, Loki. Loki, yay! Loki. Did you uh, watch the third episode that came out yes, today? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Holy crap. Have you? No. Oh. <laughs> it's been out for like, I mean, we're recording this on the Wednesday it came out. So like, yeah, I have not watched it yet, no. Yeah, I've, I have seen the new episode of Loki. All right, well, um, don't spoil it. I'm not going to. Everyone dies. Oh, gosh dang it. <laughs> um, Loki is really good. Um, Connor recommended it last week, um, and I do agree that it is the strongest of the Disney Plus uh, original series. Um, I really like the direction that it's, you know, taking uh, the newest episode, I think, is the strongest and the best. Um, not going to spoil anything, of course. Everyone uh, dies. Gosh dang, I did it again. No Sorry, one I'm, dies. I'm, trying, I'm trying so hard. I'm trying not to spoil it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm just um, too smart. Right, right. Um, it's really good. 
highly recommend checking it out. It's on Disney Plus. Loki. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, I will hop into my three. Uh, I haven't seen Loki yet, but I've got a movie. I've got uh, music, uh, technically, and also a YouTube channel, and then uh, a video game. So we shall start with the movie because I'm always watching movies. Oh, sorry about that. I believe that this this yeah, that's like a time capsule now. Now I will know exactly sixty four minutes into the podcast, I got a scam call. Um, oh my god! Anywho, uh, so the movie I want to talk about is I feel like it, it's a really weird one because it's a movie that I think touches a lot of the similar plot beats of other films, but it's also really uniquely its own thing. It's very hard to nail down exactly. And you're not going to watch many movies like it. Um, And that movie is Boogie Nights from 1997. uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, It is a weird one. Uh, It's, it's a coming of age movie without a doubt, but it's also kind of like a, a a grown up coming of age movie. It's almost like, at the point where coming of age movies usually end, this is this is where it begins. It's very much like an after a coming of age movie kind of movie. Essentially, it's about this director of he directs uh, adult films, and essentially you just see his his you know company and the people he works with just kind of growing up over the years. Uh, you see the kind of the conflicts that you get into working in the in the adult film industry. You kind of see the exploitative nature of it. You see how they, you know, find actors for it. You see how that, how becoming a big actor like that affects your mind. It's a, there's a lot going on with it. It's two and a half hours. It's a very long movie, and a lot of stuff happens in it. But I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it, especially for how upfront it is. It's very vulgar and it's very explicit. It, but at the same time, they do a great job managing it because at the core, the movie isn't about that explicit nature things. It's about people who don't know what they're doing with their lives trying to find meaning in the work that they're good at you know and trying to find put value and effort and creativity into something that is legitimately you know low brow essentially and exploited it's it's not a very artistic market you know what i mean and it's people you see people who genuinely are very into this thing like they really believe what they're doing is important and valuable and i especially like burt reynolds character who's the director He's trying to find a way to make an artistic film that's also porn. Like it's it's really it's a really interesting movie. Like I love the characters here. There's a lot of great written moments in this movie, but it's also a really well balanced movie too. Where like it deals with the positive sides of becoming rich and famous, but also deals with a lot of the negatives too. And it deals with a lot of the aftermath of becoming a, an adult film star. And it's really interesting. Like I was surprised by how much I was getting into it. Uh, it's not perfect, though. I will admit it has way too many characters. There's a couple of characters that I thought were really interesting that got, like, no screen time. Uh, and I also think the movie does kind of uh, lose a bit of its weight, especially with how lighthearted and 70s it can get sometimes. Like, it's a, it's got a phenomenal soundtrack, but it can also kind of lose a bit of its weight in terms of that. It, it's a very conflicting movie. There's a lot going on. It's very weird. But... I really recommend it, especially if you're into coming of age movies, because it's a very different type of coming of age movie. I think it says it, it says a lot, a lot more than you would originally expect it to, and it's a lot of fun too. Uh, really fun movie, Boogie Nights. Um, though you know, don't watch it if you're below the age of you know, like sixteen. Don't watch it; it's gross. Uh, but yeah. Um, moving on. Uh, let us move on to 
my next suggestion, which is a uh, Madden song. 22. No, no, not a video game. We're doing music first. So I found this great channel that is very, it's a really nice vibe channel. Uh, and their music's on Spotify. So I recommend it if you want to check out Spotify. Uh, it's called Acoustic Trench. And really all it is, is just a guy playing his guitar. But what's really satisfying about it and watching them is like, it's so elegant and chill. Like you, you can see the guy who's behind this channel really cares about, you know, making sure his music sounds as good as possible and really cares about, you know, like actually trying something new with the camera work and stuff in the videos. And it's really chill. Like it's a really vibe, a really nice vibe atmosphere. And I really, dog. yes, and he's got a very sweet dog who just recently passed away, which is very sad, but he's a very sweet dog. Um, it's a very chill channel and I highly recommend it if you really had a stressful day and you need to vibe like the, the channel has some really great music and, and and it's on Spotify too if you want to check out the music there uh, really really chill stuff and I, I really enjoy it um, I was just listening to it earlier so that's kind of why I thought of suggesting it um, but yeah um, my final suggestion for you guys is a weird one again because this one it's a video game but I haven't played it in a while but I'm suggesting it because of a recent update and that is Overwatch. I've Overwatch talked about it a lot. I used to love Overwatch, and I kind of dropped off because of how busy life's gotten recently. I just haven't played it as much. But they finally added crossplay to Overwatch. So I recommend getting into it right now, because now you're going to get a bunch of noobs who are hopping into you know, the game for the first time, because now they can play with their friends. This is a great time to be getting into the game. So if you haven't checked it out in a while, highly check it, or I highly recommend checking it out. It's a really great, intense multiplayer game. I think there's a lot of skill that can go into it, but at the same time, it's also a very easy game to pick up. It's engaging. It's really, it has got a lot of creativity in it. It's fun. And I just, it's a really great party game. It's a great game to play with your friends because like you can get a lot of mileage out of it. Me and Michael, who's been, you know, having the anime podcast, we've played a lot of Overwatch together because me and him have both had PS4s, but David could not play with us because he has an Xbox, but now we can. So it's a great time to get in and start playing the game and, you know, enjoying the, general you know intense vibe of the of the game really 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 fun game it's a really well put together game i will admit if you've been following its progression it's been kind of abandoned lately but that does not necessarily mean it's bad i think there's still a lot of creativity going into this game and the, the core game is still very fun so i highly recommend it if you if you're just now you know if you were debating getting into overwatch i think it's a great time to get into it now because of the cross play that just got in, you know just got introduced highly recommend it um so yeah so those are my three. Uh, David, do you have anything else to say? Uh, I do not, kind of. All right. Besides, uh, check out that Madden 22 trailer, guys. You guys get the oh my same gosh. game. I, I know. It's so exciting. I can't wait to see the new cover. It's got, it's got, it's got Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in it. Oh, my yeah. gosh, guys. They could have picked a new athlete, but they didn't. It's no, so cool. They picked the same ones. I don't know why they thought. Like They're sitting there like in their office, sitting there like, how can we update Madden? I know. Let's just put two athletes on the cover. We get anything new to the game? No. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, but yeah, check out Madden Twenty Two. Uh, what's that smell underscore you thinking again on Instagram to check out updates when David decides to give them? Yeah. Uh, and next week, I mean, next week for the listeners of this podcast, we will be back and from our vacations and assorted, you know, doing assorted, you know, new podcast things. That's exciting. I should be uh, here on Sunday. Yeah. Right. We're only gone. We're both only gone for one Sunday, so this one pre-recorded episode is gonna go up while we're gone. Uh, but yeah, I've been Connor. This is David. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the podcast that we've entitled David. What's that smell? You thinking again?